Welcome to Outlasted, the podcast where we just talk about a whole bunch of survival stories. So for today's episode, we are going to be talking about Julianne Kopke, the sole survivor of Flight 508. So to better understand Julianne, we are going to be talking a little bit about her childhood. And so Julianne was born on October 10th, 1954 in Lima, Peru. Her parents worked at the Museum of Natural History. Her dad's name was Hans, and he was a biologist, and her mother's name was Maria, and she was an ornithologist, which is someone who studies birds. But growing up, Julianne spent much of her time learning a lot of stuff from her parents. They would teach her a lot of stuff about animals, plants. Um, They spent a lot of time outside and just, like, learning everything there possibly is. Um, but when Julianne was 14 years old, they actually left Peru to establish a biological research station called Panguana in the Amazon rainforest. But since Julianne was only 14, she still had to finish high school. Um, so she would spend most of her time in Lima with her mom going to school and she would spend her vacation time with her dad in the research station in the Amazon. So... Fast forward to her graduation. So she graduated in very late December. I think it was just days prior to Christmas. She was 17 years old at the time. And the day after her graduation, they were planning on taking a flight back to the research station so they can spend Christmas with her dad. But that same day, there was like a school ceremony or like a prom going on and she really wanted to go to it. So her mom allowed her to go and they decided to just book a flight the next day instead. So on December 24th, Maria and Julian booked flight 508 with Lansa Airlines. Um, during this time, the weather was terrible outside. The airport was overcrowded with people. Um, day, a day prior to this, a bunch of flights were pushed back and delayed because of the weather. Besides Lanza Airlines, so this airline company also had um, a little bit of a bad reputation. Um, for example, some of the mechanics were not even certified airplane mechanics, and many of the flights resulted in some sort of crash. And if that's not scary enough, then I don't know what is. But despite all of that, they really just wanted to get out of the airport and they wanted to go and be with her dad so they can spend Christmas together. They figured their flight was only an hour long. And so they decided to board the flight anyway. So the first half hour, the flight was very calm and uneventful. Nothing really happened, so um, they ate lunch, and then just around 10 or so minutes after they ate, the flight attendant was coming around to start cleaning up, and this is when they began to fly through a huge thunderstorm. All of a sudden, daylight turns to night, they see lightning, the plane is violently shaking, things are falling out of the overhead compartments, and people are beginning to cry and panic and scream. Um, Julianne remembers seeing a huge light strike the right wing of the plane because she had the window seat so she can see out and she's seen like a big light strike the wing of the plane and the airplane just began to nosedive. So at this point she kind of loses her sense of time and all of a sudden she realizes that she's just no longer on the plane. She's still buckled into her seat which is now detached from the plane and free falling. She doesn't hear anything, and before she can actually have time to react, she loses consciousness as she falls 10,000 feet 
into the Amazon rainforest. When she came to, she was still in the air. She was now upside down. She was still falling. And she remembers seeing a ton of fog and the huge green treetops as she loses consciousness again. So when she finally actually woke up, she was soaking wet. She was covered in mud and she was laying underneath the row of seats that she was originally buckled into. She figures that she must have awoken up after she fell and unbuckled herself and just laid back down and fell asleep. But um, she knew that she was suffering a severe concussion. One of her eyes, both of her eyes were swollen shut, but one of them she could like barely see out of it. She decided to just sleep, and she slept all the way until the next morning, and the next day, she kept trying to get up, but she was so dizzy, she couldn't even handle it, so she would just lay back down, and so for a while, she just kept laying back down and re- like relaxing and just falling back asleep, so when she was finally strong enough to kneel on her knees, she realizes that her right collarbone is broken. And she has a huge, deep gash in her left calf. And um, the gash wasn't actually bleeding much at all considering the size of it. But it was probably due to the huge amount of adrenaline in her that's going on in her. She also has some other just like cuts and bruises. But nothing severe. Nothing more severe than obviously a broken collarbone. But nothing any worse than that that you would think you would have gotten from falling 10,000 feet out of the sky. It's just so crazy. But um, So she fell into the rainforest and the rainforest, the treetops, there's just so much trees and branches and vines. And so as she was falling, the trees and the vines kind of um, took the initial shock and kind of helped cushion her fall a little more. And I'm pretty sure that's how she survived the initial fall. But once she was able to assess the situation and realize what had happened, she was calling out for her mom and she was just yelling for her mom, but she wasn't hearing anything. So she didn't really know what to do, but she did know that it was really vital for her to find water and food and some sort of civilization to help her. So she just began to walk, and at first she began to walk to try to find her mom, but after walking and calling out for her mom, she realizes that she's just like not going to be able to find her. So her first priority now is just to find help. So for the, as she's walking the first few days, she stumbles upon remnants of the crash site, and she actually finds a row of people from the plane who did not make it. Um... And she also stumbles across a bag of candy from the airplane that just happened to fall out. And so she that was her main food source. And then she finds a tiny little stream of water and she begins to follow it because she knows that it could lead to something bigger. So she just follows the stream of water and she's walking and walking. Um, the stream is getting bigger and bigger, but um, as she's walking, it just becomes nighttime. And so she finds a safe place to rest. So she really luckily had a watch on her when she boarded the plane and it also survived the fall. And that's how she would reference the time and the date. 
Um, at this point, it was already December 28th, so four days after the crash, and the watch just stopped working. At this point, she's been living off only the candy and some like stream water, and she begins to feel very angry and frustrated because she can also hear airplanes and search helicopters flying above her, but she can't do anything about it to get their attention because the top layer of the canopy of the trees in the forest are way too thick to see anything underneath it. As she's walking, she hears a familiar bird call, and she remembers hearing this when she was back at the research station, but she remembers these specific types of birds um, typically nest near large rivers or bodies of water, and she figured since that could probably be um, a water source for like a, a certain little civilization or something, so she continues to um, follow the call. And it's she's continuing to go down the stream, and then it turns into a big river, but she doesn't see anybody or anything. Um, she begins to feel very frustrated and tired, and the riverbank is too thick to um, and dense for her to continue to hike on it. So she decides to swim down the middle of the river. Um, and these types of riverbanks, stingrays, are known to stay near the sides. Um, they don't typically venture into the deep water. Um, she can run into caiman at any time, which I don't know if I said that right, but they're like little alligators. But um, from what her parents taught her when she was younger, that they typically don't attack humans. So she really just has to watch out for the piranhas that were swimming underneath her. And at this time, I think she had a stick with her that would kind of help her combat these piranhas, which was so insane. But um, even with all of that, it was still so much safer to swim in the water and then walking on the land because in the land there was so many different snakes, poisonous bushes and um, leaves and other poisonous insects that she could come in contact with and it would cause her um, a lot more harm and even death. So growing up with biologist parents, um, she loved animals and she was very educated on the different species. She was practically raised in the jungle and, you know, she wasn't scared of what was in it because she was so used to it and she grew up around it. And this is what really helped her survive. But what she was most worried about was a wound that she had on her arm that had become infested with like some maggots um, that crawled into it. And she was worried it would become infected to the point where she would have like blood poisoning. And obviously, she knew there was nothing that she could do about that. So she tried her best to keep it as clean as possible and would periodically just pick out as many maggots as she could. By this time, it was already the 10th day, and she was very, very weak. Um, she had eaten all of the candy she had a couple days prior, and she's just been living off of the water. Um, so she decided she didn't have any more energy, so she was just going to float down the river instead of trying to swim and waste all of her energy. So as she's floating down the river, she notices a boat on the other side of the river. And as she's floating down the river, she's kind of... Um, going in and out of consciousness because she's so like malnourished and she's like going through a lot. So she's kind of just going in and out of consciousness. So she's kind of like imagining things. And she even thought she's seen like a, a house with some chickens and um, she kind of came to and realized it wasn't even there. 
So like once she sees this boat, like immediately her adrenaline kicks in. She swims over to it and it's real. She touches it and it's real. And she also noticed like a little pathway up this like little embankment. And so she has no energy. So she's like trying to crawl up this embankment as best as she could. And she comes across like a little hut. And she was really overjoyed when she found the hut because she could get out of all the elements and all of just like the wet soppingness of the rainforest. Um, And she was hoping that someone had to come back to this hut. When she was younger, actually, she remembered that her dad had poured gasoline onto a wound that their dog had that was infested with bugs to help clean it out. And she decided to do that to herself. So she took some of the gas from the boat and poured it on her wound. And the maggots began to crawl out. And she tried picking out as many as possible. And I think in total, just at that one moment, she ended up pulling out like 35 maggots out of her little wound she had in her arm. So she woke up the next morning on January 2nd, 1972, to the sound of voices. Three Peruvian lumbermen had spotted her, and at first they were actually really scared of her. They were kind of taken back and then realized like what was going on. Um, she had bloodshot red eyes. She was all dirty, cut up. She had bruises. Um, luckily, since she grew up in Lima, she could speak Spanish, and she told them, like, please help me. I'm Julianne from the Lanza Flight 508. She was so overjoyed to see another human being. I couldn't imagine, like, going through all of that and then just seeing another person there to help you. Like, that's probably the best feeling ever. But they helped her clean her wounds out and they gave her some food and they took her back on their boat to the nearest village. And she was then airlifted to the city that she was originally flying to where her dad was. Um, which was actually not very far away from the plane crash, from where the plane crashed. It was really close to it. Um, She was reunited with her dad, and as she was recovering in the hospital, she found out that if she would have walked in the opposite direction she originally walked from, she would have been found in just two days versus the 11 days it took her as she walked the way she did, which if I found that out, I would be so mad. Like, I'd have to go through all of that. But, you know, you're in the middle of a rainforest. Like, even though you are, um, you know what to do in that situation, like, you don't know which way to go. You can easily get lost in the rainforest. And she also found out that her mom had actually survived the initial crash but she died a few days later after succumbing to her injuries. And Julianne felt very guilty and she was so upset and it really messed her up for a while. She thought that she could she could have saved her if she tried to look for her um, better or anything. And so learning that made her very upset for a while. Um, but once Julianne fully recovered, she moved back to Germany and she went on to college and is now a biologist and a librarian at the Bavarian State College of Zoology in Munich, Germany, uh, where she studies different species and like different types of bats. Um, she still visits the Penguana Research Center that she actually inherited from her parents. She also actually wrote a book on what had happened to her called When I Fell from the Sky. Julianne Kopke survived a plane crash, survived 11 days in a Peruvian rainforest full of all kinds of dangerous and poisonous animals, um, all at the age of 17, and that was her amazing survival story. 
which when I first read this story, I was just shocked. Like she's 17 years old and she survived that. If I was 17 and this had happened, I wouldn't even know what to begin to do. Luckily for her background and her parents' background, it was almost like she was kind of set up for this because she just knew exactly what to do. She knew exactly where to go and she survived, which was so amazing. Um, But that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Until next time.